Hello again, I'm Eric with Smart Pot Fabric Planters, back with another great episode of The Growing Revolution. And our guest this week is Alex Burnett of Canna Innovations. And he's an efficiency consultant and inventor who we met at the MJ Biz Conference last year in Las Vegas and then reconnected recently. So Alex, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Eric. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for making the time. Excited. Yeah, excited to be here. So when we first met you, you uh, popped into our booth and uh, explaining how you had invented a new product for dealing with trellis waste for uh, growers called the trellis trap. And can you explain this product and what it does and how you came up with it? Yeah, so just a little background. I uh, started working with a grow doing some efficiency consulting and and uh, was actually helping them with their harvesting operation and, and actually doing some of the harvest myself, uh, getting in there and getting my hands dirty. And I, I enjoy doing that to kind of get that perspective of, you know, the harvester. And um, we were seeing a lot of problems with people handling uh, the trellis waste and trying to use a five gallon bucket and putting in a five gallon bucket is just doesn't work. Uh, the plastic trellis is so springy um, that they tend to waste time disposing of it and, and you'll end up twisting it into a ball and then putting it in on the um, in a five gallon bucket or, you know, in the um, or on the table or sometimes in worst cases, it ends up on the floor and ends up being a trip hazard. So uh, I started seeing that at, at uh, all the grows that I visited and I started seeing the same kind of issues. And so. I started working through some some thoughts and developing some prototypes and uh, went back to the first grow, which is a grow here in Oklahoma City, a TSGP, and uh, started, you know, gave them the prototype. Um, I wasn't able to stay there the first day and, and they took off uh, with their harvest and started using it. And I came out back around noontime and, and they were just loving it. Um, they were just ecstatic about how well it worked and the the fact that it started nesting up the trellis into a bird's nest and, um, you know, we could uh, open it up and and pull this nest essentially out of really tightly compacted trellis. And so that's that's what really drove us to, you know, taking it to the, the product um, that we have. And I'll just show you the product here. The, um, it's about the same size as a five gallon bucket, but the top of it has the rubber, uh, rubber membrane that allows you to take the trellis waste in all different sizes. You can take a, a, a very large chunk of uh, the trellis and just stuff it through that rubber membrane and just release it. You don't have to get it all the way through. So that's the beauty of it is that you're not wasting time twisting up and excessively handling the trellis waste. And that's one of the things I focus on in, in my lean consulting, uh, efficiency consulting is helping people eliminate those things that provide no value from the customer's perspective, right? They're, the customer could care less how much time you spend on, on handling the trellis waste. And so that's how we came up with, uh, came up with this. So not only do we have the rubber membrane, but once you get past that rubber membrane, there's a series of, of six different combs in there that allow us to capture that trellis material. And you'll see inside there are the 
the combs, and these are replaceable combs. But what happens is they end, that trellis net nesting or trellis net gets uh, captured by the cones. And I'll show you kind of a cross-section view. We actually have one here where we've taken a sample out, but you'll see the sidewall. So what happens is that trellis gets caught in the combs and at, periodically what they'll do is they'll go in and do a full stroke where they actually push all the way down into that uh, trellis trap. And then they'll end up compressing that just like a trash compactor. So that's what it works just like as a trash compactor. And then we put the lid on the bottom of it so you can extract it because it never comes out the top. So once it's in, it's captured or trapped. And that's kind of why we came up with the trellis trap name. Yeah, that's a, it's a genius product. And about how much uh, length of trellis will fit into uh, the trap before it needs to be emptied? Yeah, good question. Um, I get that quite a bit. We have seen people uh, being able to stuff in 250 feet of four feet wide trellis. So it all, nice. all depends on, you know, how, you know, how many layers they have. You know, we see people use one layer. Uh, sometimes they'll use three or four layers and, and layer on the sidewalls, right, to uh, pull it out of the, uh, out of the uh, aisles, to keep it out of the aisles. Right. So, uh, cool. yeah, it just depends. <laughs> uh, so yeah, you were kind of getting into, you know, efficiencies and time is definitely money, uh, especially in the grow industry. So can you talk a little bit about your professional background, uh, up to the point of where you started Canna Innovations and where did you go to school and what was your area of study? Absolutely. So, um, I, I graduated from uh, West Texas A&M, uh, up around Amarillo, Texas, and uh, my degree was in engineering technology. And I also have my uh, MBA. So I've got the, the, you know, the business mindset. And um, from, from there, I, um, I went to work for Texas Instruments um, in their plastics, plastics non-metallics uh, department. Uh, and we were focused on uh, defense products. And then moved into the, the silica, silicon wafer business within Texas Instruments, and then that spun off to a, a joint venture. Um, and so I spent a lot of time in, in the silicon wafer business, and that is a extremely cost-sensitive environment. Um, it is a commodity, right? It's, that's the raw material that's used by computer uh, chip makers. Uh, like the Intels and the Texas Instruments of the world. And so we were always battling cost. And, you know, essentially that's what's happening now um, in, the, in the cannabis world is everybody's got to figure out how to reduce their cost to survive uh, because everybody's enduring this price compression um, issues that we're seeing not only in Oklahoma, it's, it's happening across the U.S. And even in Canada, you're seeing companies that are folding because of uh, excess supply and not able to get their costs down. So, so that's, uh, you know, I, I spent time in uh, the Silicon Wafer business and then I came back to Oklahoma and was in the uh, defense uh, industry. And uh, we, we built uh, the world's most sensitive explosive uh, detector, handheld explosive detector used in Iraq and uh, Afghanistan. And so um, during that time, I started um, working really hard with a consultant uh, in lean manufacturing and brought them in and helped us out. And from there, I, um, you know, took the uh, took the wand, if you will, and ran with um, lean manufacturing and our 
our operation there in Stillwater, Oklahoma. And then um, as a result, I, I was uh, promoted into a corporate uh, position within a public company called uh, FLIR Systems. And I ended up uh, traveling about 60% of the time. I had like 18 different manufacturing sites across five countries. And so spent uh, a lot of time on the road and, and um, you know, doing this lean manufacturing and, and efficiency consulting to help drive out uh, cost and improve uh, efficiency. So um, been been an exciting time and um, been able to, you know, take that uh, same mindset, mindset and, um, and education understanding into the cannabis world. And there's really not a lot of people focusing inefficiency right now and uh, really specializing on that. And so we bring that from a consulting perspective and we also bring it from a product uh, perspective. Nice. Yeah. As, uh, as the, um, I guess, legal barriers to cannabis have fallen, uh, it's a plant after all, and uh, plants are basically commodities. So that's uh, makes sense that businesses are going to have to uh, increase their efficiencies in order to um, maximize their profits. And, you know, really that's kind of the whole point of business is making money. So, Absolutely. um, yeah, without, uh, giving away, I guess, you know, everything that you're consulting these companies on, what are some areas that you analyze and improve for these businesses? And can you give us some examples or case studies of your work? Yes, absolutely. So we, um, uh... You know, we've, we've worked with uh, companies here in Oklahoma and uh, the primary focus, you know, is, is really going all the way from clone all the way through to delivery. And so, you know, this would include for, for cultivators and processors and could even apply to uh, dispensaries. Uh, so, so most of my work right now has been in the, the cultivation area and I've worked with a couple of uh, rows where where I have case studies available on my website. And um, in those cases, the, you know, the Oki TSGP that I mentioned earlier, went in there and focused on their harvesting operation and, and saw, you know, through doing some analysis, there's some tools that I use that uh, are, are focused on the lean principles and improving the flow of the operation and reducing your whip uh, you know, eliminating the, the chaos. And so I recorded probably, you know, eight to 16 hours of video and uh, went back and analyzed that. And from that, I went back and worked with a team. We implemented some standard operating procedures. Everybody's kind of familiar with that, but it also, you know, divided out the task associated with what happens in harvest and who should be doing that. And then from that, we were actually able to develop our first product and we can talk about that some more uh, later. But that's kind of the focus is using these lean manufacturing tools to, to focus on really identifying the, the waste and eliminating the waste so that every step within your operation is adding value from a customer's perspective. You know, if you, if you really think about it, what is the customer paying you for? And from from a flower perspective, it's it's everything that adds to the the form, fit or function of the flower. If you think about that, the quality of the flower, the appearance of the flower, you know the the uh, COA, the terps, the uh, THC, and how how it delivers uh, an impact to them. Everything else that you do in your operation that doesn't have an impact on those, 
is a waste and an opportunity for you to to eliminate and reduce your cost. And it's really difficult to do that when you're in the thick of doing the operation and the process every day, and it takes someone from a different perspective to come in and really analyze your operation. And so that's what we did for TSGP. And so we took their harvest that was taking them about two days down to one day. And then we also were able to reduce the, um, the, the number of people needed by about half a person. So that half person was able to do other tasks, like get prepared for the next um, uh, harvest or to do some uh, transplant or do something in clone while the operation was going on. And so we freed up some people and we also, like I mentioned, delivered those SLPs. The other one we did was at PHB growers out in Pryor, Oklahoma. And they were focused on reducing their time associated with a, a, a harvest of for fresh frozen. So taking a whole plant, uh, they were actually transporting the plant into a cold room and doing the breakdown uh, down to the flower level in that uh, cold room and then bagging it and freezing it. Well, it was originally taking in 40 minutes and uh, within a day, we were able to take it from 40 minutes down to 20 minutes for the plant per plant. And we reduced their space by 75%. So they were occupying a large area of space and we shrunk that space at the same time. So you can see within a very short period of time, I'm able to do, you know, record video, provide feedback and uh, give you direction right, right during the, um, the observation. So that's kind of how we worked with those guys. They, they were thrilled. I got, I got uh, text um, that I have copies in my case studies of, of, of the guy responding and saying that they were just thrilled with uh, what had happened. And, and they learned a lot from the experience. And that's part of it. It's, it's not, just, not just delivering that reduction in time, but, but really conveying to people why, why you want to do something differently. You know, how does it impact your operation? And, and so it's really... Not, it's really about making the work easier and being able to accomplish more and more with less uh, less effort, right? Yeah. You don't want people to work harder. Lean manufacturing has this, you know, this connotation that that it means you're going to do, you're going to work harder. We're going to get lean. Well, that's not necessarily the case. It's really about pivoting your your operation toward understanding what the customer values, and and then once you really understand that, uh, it changes your perspective. You start thinking about saying, you know, why are we doing this? Why why can't we do it differently? But it takes it takes someone from outside to help a lot of people, uh, and that's where I come in. Yeah, yeah, it's like <clears throat> the elephant in the room. You're so close to the elephant that you really can't see uh, the the big picture. So take someone like you to step back and uh, get that um, overhead view. Awesome. So, uh, Alex, can you talk about the other products that you sell? Yeah, absolutely. So, so the other product that I uh, developed is a software product. And um, as I was getting into the cannabis market, I realized that it was really difficult to find out where, where uh, growers were, what their addresses were, and, and how many were there. How many, how many were there per county, per city, per zip code, things like that. And so I developed a software package for my own use. And um, as I started developing, I realized, well, this is something that other people might be um, interested in and subscribe to. So I have it available on my website. People can go um, uh, and set, sign up for a subscription and, and get access to that. But, you know, when there are, there are 11,000 licensed 
um, businesses in Oklahoma alone. So it's difficult to really understand, you know, if I'm in, let's say, Guthrie, Oklahoma, who else is in Guthrie, Oklahoma? You know, it's difficult to find out if, if I'm a grower, if I'm a processor, if I'm a processor trying to find growers to get flour from. Um, it's difficult to understand that. And then if you're a supplier, like, you know, like Smart Pots, uh, if, you're, if you guys were looking for um, growers, uh, this is a tool that suppliers can use to find them. And you, you find uh, email addresses, you find phone numbers, physical addresses, all that's available. It's all public available, uh, publicly available information. So that's one of the products. The other product I mentioned early on was... Um, a what I, what we call is a, a harvest station. You can think of it as a mobile workstation. And so one of the things I've seen in a lot of grows is that they have difficulty kind of managing uh, that harvest of what all is going on. And so they end up spending a lot of time walking. So it's excess motion that the customer is not paying you for. And you're, you're doing all this movement of, of um, uh, pots, uh, or irrigation sticks, if you're removing all of that, if you're hanging your flower, or if you're putting the flower in plastic bins. Well, this harvest station is, is a patented design that is a cart within a cart. So one of the other things everybody struggles with is space, right? People have a very limited space in a lot of their operations, and the aisle space is really limited. And so this was designed to, um, to meet that need and kind of organize that um, all, of the, all of the tools, if you're using five gallon bucks to capture all that material as you kind of go through, as well as clean the table. And so that's, um, that's one of the opportunities that I see some growers don't realize is that as they're harvesting flour, uh, why not take care of everything off of the table at the same time? And so there are, there are opportunities. It's just a matter of thinking differently. Um, you know, some people have concerns about that, about how to do that. And everybody is, you know, has their own opinion about the best way to do that. <clears throat> but you also have to kind of understand that there are opportunities um, to do it differently and, and uh, continually to get, you know, continue to get better. And that's really what that harvest station uh, does is it allows you to to uh, minimize that excess motion and um, and speed up your harvest time because you know you're one of the biggest assets that the growers have is that grow room that flower room right so it's kind of like a restaurant table i tell people uh, you want to flip that restaurant table you want to flip that flower room as fast as possible and not take several days to to get it turned over um, because that's lost uh, lost opportunity lost profits lost revenue yeah, it, theoretically, um, the more efficient you get your grow cycle, um, you know, you, you could even get an extra harvest in uh, in a year, depending on what you're doing. So yeah, and how many rooms you have, you're exactly right. It it does uh, it does pay off, and so there's uh, definitely a benefit for you know learning how to do the, you know do that um, in a manner that you can reset your room much faster. Yeah. Now, um, recently, adult use uh, failed in Oklahoma. Uh, were you in favor of that passing? And what do you think are the implications for the cannabis industry there? Yeah, I was in favor of that. I mean, you know, one of the things that I've seen is I've seen a lot of a lot of grows that have gone out of business. You know, we peaked at um, about 9,400 grows, uh, licensed grows in Oklahoma. That's dropped by 3,000. Um, so we're down to 6,400. 
And so, and, and we saw more more drop out, out after the um, the REC um, bill failed. And so, <clears throat> I was hoping that was going to pass to help all the businesses out there for for that. Uh, so I think as far as the impact, uh, it's going to continue to put uh, stress on the market. Uh, actually, OMA, the uh, regulatory agency in, in Oklahoma, just published a report, uh, I think it was yesterday or the day before, that I put a uh, message out on Instagram about, and that was how much oversupply there is. And they showed um, that the supply uh, of 64 grams for every one gram of demand uh, which they're very concerned about um, because that uh, that means that, that the illicit market is uh, very strong in the state of Oklahoma, and so uh, that's one thing that they're they're going to continue to address. The other thing that means is that there's a, a, a extremely large um, amount of price compression, right? And so that's uh, definitely a concern for the for the cultivators that have lasted this long and continue to want to thrive and. You, in order to do that, you're going to have to look for opportunities to, to reduce your cost and, and maintain your you know your market position. Wow, that's a that's a lot of oversupply. Um, yeah, hopefully. Yeah, so the uh, normal. Yeah, the normal yeah, is about I mean, hope, the normal is about two to one. Two to yeah. two to one is normal. So, you know, they're saying that um, based on that that, that uh, we're like at a thirty-two to one um, ratio, but. Regardless, the, the impact to the, the all the growers is that it's a 60 to four, 64 to one ratio, right? And so uh, the price compression is, um, is is huge. Yeah. So is there talk that Oklahoma might cap licenses that they're giving out? Yeah, they, they, they did that. They, they put a moratorium um, on that. I think it was last year. And at the time, I think it was a three-year moratorium, and there may have been something that came out recently that may have even extended that longer. So, uh, yeah, they definitely capped it. Uh, they, Oklahoma did a horrible job in setting this up originally. Uh, a lot of yeah, lost you money. know, a lot of people liked certain aspects of the low area, uh, low barriers to entry uh, to Oklahoma. I know there was a huge exodus of California growers that went to Oklahoma uh, for that reason. But then, uh, yeah, when you have 64 to 1 uh, oversupply, I'm sure some people are uh, considering other states uh, to work in at, at this point or, yeah, just folding like uh, a lot of businesses have. Yeah, you're, you're right. I've, I've actually heard um, some people that moved here from California that are now considering moving, I think it was, to Mississippi. So, you know, it's just uh, or, or further, you know, further east. So that was... Um, that was it's definitely coming up is that people are you know thinking this was going to be the, the gold mine ended up being the wild wild west of uh, cannabis as a lot of people have said and uh, have has created a, a very uh, competitive environment yeah if they thought oklahoma was wild wait till they start working in mississippi i'm sure that'll be a interesting show um but you know they hey they need uh cannabis too and yeah every every seems like every state program has its ups and downs. Honestly, it seems like Nevada probably has the probably the best setup for producers um, to, I guess, exist and, and be profitable, uh, patients to get access. So um, interesting. Yeah, that's that's one of the other things I've noticed uh, just recently is, you know, there the uh, the OMA 
data that they provide on the number of licenses not only includes the processors and dispos um, and, and cultivators, but also the, uh, the patients. And looking at that past couple of days, the, the number of patients in Oklahoma that are licensed, have a license, have, has decreased by about 30,000. So that's, that's, you know, within, I think, probably the last um, uh, six months or so, six to nine months that this, it, you know, dropped off that much. So, you know, eight to 10 percent, you know, reduction in your, um, in your demand just from, from licensed uh, consumers and clients is uh, not going the right direction. So, uh, you know, I know a lot of dispos that are, are, are trying to help out that and, and, and do some, um, some gatherings of uh, new clients and bringing new clients uh, to try to, to increase that. So uh, hopefully that will stabilize, but it has been dropping. I don't know if that's, re you know, driven by the recession uh, or what's actually happening there, but. Uh, well, I, I think <laughs> part of it is uh, there's probably so much black market availability in Oklahoma that uh, people are figuring, well, why pay for my medical card uh, when I could just get it down the road? No, you're exactly right. I think that's probably, that's probably the case. Probably the case. Yeah. Craziness. Uh, yeah. So uh, I guess as an efficiency expert, where do you think wholesale prices are going to, to end up? And what would you consider, I guess, to be a, a good fair price per pound? Well, I, you know, I, I hear uh, ranges, you know, of 800 to uh, 1200 per pound, right? So 1200 for a top shelf, maybe, you know, I've heard just a few, maybe at 1400, but that's, that's um, a very, very limited number. Um, I, you know, and I see states that are, you know, very mature states also that probably around, I think 800 to 900, it seemed like I saw some reports back uh, for maybe Oregon and even Colorado that were in that range. So I think everybody has to be prepared for that. I mean, I think the days of having, you know, 3,000, $3,500 per pound is, is never gonna come back. Um, you know, those, those mature markets, I, I don't think that's gonna happen. And so you gotta be prepared for that and, um, and look at all the possible options of, of uh, you know, reducing your cost. I know a lot of people are trying to get uh, vertically integrated. I've seen a lot of grows here in Oklahoma that have applied for their uh, dispo license or, or um, and also their processor license. They, they want to take control of, you know, their own destiny as much as possible. And so there are grows that have uh, have opened dispos. And, and here lately I've started to see some of the dispos in um, my area here um, start to close, which I'm really surprised that they stayed open this long because, you know, not only has there been an oversupply and uh, for growers, but just the number of retail stores that dispos has just been phenomenal in this in this area. Yeah, the growing pains of of a of a new industry. Uh, there's always going to be a, a roller coaster ride there. Uh, so, Alex, this has been really um, informative and and interesting for me, and hopefully everyone else who watches. Um, how can people get in touch with you uh, to procure your services or your products and and find you on social media? Well, they go to my website. Um, um, we've set up one for the trellis trap. It's just trellistrap.com. And then I also, for my services for the Canoogle, uh, which is the uh, software, um, and for my um, consulting services, they can go to canna-innovations.com. And then I also put a lot of material out on Instagram. 
And uh, if you go to canna.innovations, you will see me there. Awesome. Um, well, again, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast and uh, looking forward to seeing you at the next show. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much.